Stephen Pritchard is still away this week, so we've got Brett Hall with us and looking forward to taking a look at the fixed interest market, uh, the bond markets and things, and uh, we'll find out about that with Richard Murphy, who's basically our resident expert on that. We'll also take a look at the market and various stocks, companies in the market today with Henry Jennings, and we'll check out what's happening. Oh, the Australian dollar... Gold Thursday Finance and welcoming along Brett Hall. And uh, before we take a look at the rest of the commodities, um, gold, yay. The stack under the bed is getting more and more (laughs) valuable as we go on, Brett. Yeah, that's right. It's been another another strong week. And uh, front page of today's financial review. Uh, suggests that one day soon, um, in the next 12 months, we might see it at $3,000 US. And what is it at the moment? Just over 2000 Oh, wow. Well, that so, would be... And that's only in US dollars or is it well, also in... A- <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, I, um, you know, when we quote on the program, uh, we do it in uh, Australian dollars and at the moment it's trading at 2742 an ounce. Right. And, uh, but obviously, you know, the fluctuation in the in the currency... Has an, has an impact there, and, and most of the time when it's quoted in the media, it's it's done in US dollars. So yes, yeah, that's true. But it's still going up at the moment. It is, it is. Mm. So it's up uh, almost one and a half percent on on last week. Mm-hmm. So on, from our program last week. So should we get on to the other? Why not? Show? Yeah. So uh, this week we've got uh, copper trading at nine thousand and ten dollars a ton, and tin at twenty four thousand eight hundred and seven. Moving on to the currencies, uh, the US dollar, so uh, it's up this week with the other currencies uh, all down slightly. So uh, the US dollar is at uh, 71.98 cents. Um, against the New Zealand dollar, we've got a dollar and eight, and the Canadian dollar, 95 cents. So that's down 1.5% this week. Okay, so it's a bit of here and there, yes, but up against the US dollar, yeah, that's right. which is the one we listen for. Yes. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, on to the stock market. So the All Ordinaries is at 6,125. Uh, the S&P 500 at 3,327, up 2.5%. And, and uh, the UK FTSE is at 6,104. Mm-hmm. Some of our favourite stocks that we like to uh, keep an eye on each week is BHP at $37.95, the Commonwealth Bank at $71.70, uh, NIB uh, $4.42, down 2% this week. Uh, Telstra, $3.40. And lastly, fuel. Fuel yeah, prices. Yes, fuel's always important. So unleaded uh, is $1.14 in Newcastle and $1.26 in Sydney. Quite a significant difference again this week. Indeed. And diesel, uh, $1.21 in Newcastle and $1.17 in Sydney. And it is Thursday Finance on to a new RFM. And we're having a look, a closer look at the market, our market update, uh, Brett Hall, with Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. Henry, thank you for uh, joining us again this week. My pleasure, Brett. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, So we were just uh, talking a few moments ago about the gold price and uh, it's had another another strong week. And uh, on the front page of the Financial Review today, suggesting that it may get to $3,000 US. I guess it's pick a number, isn't it, at the moment? Yeah. Um, it's certainly had a pretty good time of it. it uh, we discussed this, I think, last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's hit that magical 2,000 level in US dollars. It got to 2,050-odd. It's backed off a little bit. 
2038 um, in Aussie dollar terms. Not quite so good because the Aussie dollar has been quite strong. So it's 28.33 at the moment, 2,833 dollars. So looking pretty good. But of course, the big run in gold has been partly because the U.S. has been just printing money and this stimulus that is global and with record low interest rates. People have looked to alternate assets when you've got U.S. bonds at such ridiculous levels. Uh, people look out elsewhere for uh, where to put their money, and of course, gold has no dividend. So, um, although um, you don't get anything for it, and it actually costs you something to save it, there has been um, there has been a bit of a rush. I would hesitate to say gold rush, but uh, there certainly has been a bit of a gold rush into gold. And the other one that's been doing really well is silver, which. Um, has been extraordinary. That that's certainly been outpacing gold and, and our little silver sector, which we haven't gotten very many silver stocks in Australia because it tends to be a bit of a byproduct of gold. So the big boys like BHP get silver out of Olympic Dam uh, along with uh, other minerals. So, um, but the the whole sector has been on fire. So if you've got any vague connection to silver, off you go, off to the races. So it, <laughs> it, it's been pretty good. It's been a good sector for uh, for the market. That's for sure. Yeah, and uh, so we'll go to a couple of uh, specific stocks. So uh, Virgin um, has <laughs> uh, has has announced its uh, unveiled its plans, and uh, has Qantas a little bit concerned because of its uh, market positioning of the new strategy. Uh, yeah, good luck with that, Virgin. Um, I have to say they they haven't made any money in the last decade in a time when air travel has been uh, quite uh, quite prolific. Um, I find it hard to fathom how they're going to make money in a post-COVID world. Mm. Um, they're closing Tiger, um, so they're no longer going to have a budget carrier to compete with uh, Jetstar. So that'll be good for Qantas. Um, and also um, they've sacked 3,000 people, I think. Mm. The emails are going out today. Nice way to do it. Um, and they're going to concentrate on the business market. Now, call me old-fashioned, <clears throat> But I would have thought the business market may have changed a smidge, as we've all discovered how easy it is to Skype, Zoom, and whatever uh, with work colleagues. And mm. you don't need to jump on a plane and uh, spend four or five hours getting somewhere just to have a, a coffee and a chat and a, and a catch-up mm. and a meeting. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure that this is really the, no, the smartest strategy in the entire universe, but I'm happy to be proved wrong, but certainly... You know, given the uh, the lockdowns currently in in Victoria and mm. uh, what we're seeing in New South Wales, Queensland, etc., um, I don't think anyone's going to be jumping on planes too quickly. And you look up at the sky, and it's there's nobody flying. Yeah. Anywhere. So um, I think it's a very um, very courageous stab at it. Mm. I've got to say, given that the business wasn't doing that flash when we didn't have any restrictions. So yep. yeah, good luck, Virgin. But I, Anyway, we'll see how Bain Capital goes. Yeah. Um, so with the uh, Victorian, uh, I guess, shutdown and, and, and Melbourne being a, a, a quite a strong uh, retail base, with these with the retailers, there's a bit of a rush for them to uh, try and set up their online uh, presence. Yeah. Do you foresee that some of these retailers are really going to find it difficult um, over the next 12 months, you know, to, to come back? I mean, it's a, a second hit for them, um, you know, and, and with their stock and, and things that they, they've, they've obviously got and the, the change of seasons, um, yeah. it's expensive for them to, 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 I guess, reopen and try and reignite at some point in the 
in the medium future? Yeah, I, I guess, you know, at the end of the day, um, I think the people that are really going to suffer are the landlords. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that we've already seen Centre Group, which is um, the uh, Westfield shopping centres here. They've, they've knocked, uh, lopped about 10% off the asset valuations of their shopping centres. Um, and what we are seeing is this, I guess, this phenomenon called cocooning, where you try and make your environment around you as, uh, as hospitable and as pleasant as possible. Mm-hmm. Nick Scarley is selling sofas like they're going out of fashion at the moment. The stock's up 14% today. Harvey Norman's going gangbusters. Um, there's a lot of retailers that are doing very well because people aren't spending money on overseas travel. They're not spending money on going out to restaurants. They're not spending money on some things that they used to. And they're spending money in, in doing up their homes, buying new appliances, buying things to make life as comfy as humanly possible during COVID. So, mm. you know, Nick Scarley has been a big winner out of this. Harvey Norman, as I say, um, we've seen the, the JB Hi-Fi phenomenon and people gearing up their home offices. We've seen Bunnings busy as, uh, as, as ever because people are, um, are doing projects around the home. We've even seen Super Cheap, uh, Super Retail doing well, people buying camping gear. So, you know, it's, um, you know they're also buying... Um, athletic wear and various other things. So it, it's it's not actually that bad for a lot of retailers at the moment. Adairs has gone bananas again. You know, people buying um, new tuners and towels and things. So it, it's not that bad. What is bad is if you are a retailer that has got shops in the high street because those landlords, you're not, you're not going to get the rents that you used to. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's where the problem lies. Is the uh, for the landlords, the retailers seem to be pivoting quite well mm. and actually doing quite well out of this, the whether it's just a short-term stimulus boost or whatever it is. Yep. But this cocooning that we're seeing has been a very strong theme. This is Thursday Finance, and we're in the middle of our market update. Brett Hall with Henry Jennings. Yes, Henry. Well, uh, we're just talking about uh, the retail sector and, and that it's going mm. quite strong uh, and. Part of that would be uh, from from uh, the withdrawal of, of superannuation that um, that some people have, have have been able to do, and uh, so now that the uh, the scheme has been referred to the Auditor General because uh, the ATO wasn't checking uh, eligibility, the essentially the, it was being processed without checking if um, if uh, account holders were actually el- truly eligible or not. Mm. Yes, yeah, this is interesting, isn't it? I was listening to a um uh, an ex-ATO bigwig being interviewed the other day on the ABC, and he, and he was asked, you know, how much data does the ATO collect? And he was saying, you know, it gets data from everywhere, from banks, from what you spend, you know, what you earn, from your companies, etc. And it has all this data. Yet when it came to actually handing out the money, it doesn't seem to have checked any of this data and any of this at all. It just handed out the money. Mm. Um, part of the issue, I think, was that the, um, the ATO and probably the government as well wanted the money to get out there quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, as part of stimulus, um, of course, there where it goes from there is really not up to uh, the government. People are free to spend it on whatever they like, but um, certainly there does seem to have been some. Um, I'm not sure abuse is the right word. Maybe misunderstanding. Maybe um, misaccessing this uh, this pool of funds. Um, and of course, people will uh, ultimately, I guess, suffer later in their uh, in their retirements as they won't have so much money to retire on. Mm. But you know, equally, you've got to eat in the short term. So um, you know, it, it's a bit of a toss-up for people. Certainly, 
Uh, you know, there are a lot of people thinking that this would have a big effect on the market. I don't think it's had too much effect on the market. In fact, it may have even uh, been a benefit to the market in that people took their money out of poorly performing super funds, stuck it in the market directly, mm-hmm. and maybe have, uh, have done better out of the market than they would have done by having it in the, in the dull um, sort of um, super funds that were slow moving. So, yeah, yeah it's a bit of a toss-up, but obviously you guys... Financial planners and accountants are in better places to answer this, but it does seem as if um, the, the rorting, if there was any rorting, was, was minor, but um, it's certainly going to be looked at, that's for sure. Yeah. So do you think uh, later on, so fast forward six months, when perhaps the, there's less stimulus um, and more concern around uh, employment prospects, that, that that surge in retail spending has a bit of a, a cliff and, and we... we have the opposite impact? Um, it's certainly a possibility, that's for sure. I mean, that was the, the problem with September looming was when all the stimulus ran out. Um, as we've seen, the government's kicked the can down the road and is tapering the stimulus. Mm. Um, and hopefully, you know, we will have some sort of um, a way of living with coronavirus by the time the stimulus runs out and the business will be able to get back to some sort of more normality. And I guess there's only so many plasmas and sofas you can buy. <laughs> Um, and without any immigration and without any economic growth, um, it seems uh, that at some stage that the, the magic pudding will, um, will well and truly be eaten. But, um, yeah, at the moment, the market is focusing on the short term, and the short term is that people, uh, I guess it's the, the bifurcation of the economy. We've seen people that have got jobs uh, and are sort of COVID-proof jobs and able to work from home and able to continue, and a lot of businesses have done. Yeah. Um, they're in a relatively good position and are happy to spend. In fact, they're, they're more than happy to spend. They're, they're doing their bit uh, to spend, whereas there is the uh, the unemployed and those that unfortunately cannot uh, access work that are really going to struggle. And we have seen this great divide between the rich and the poor, mm-hmm. the well-off and the, and the not-so-well-off. Um, I think COVID has really kind of accelerated that divide uh, as well. So, yeah, mm-hmm. not so good. Yeah, Henry, well, thank you very much for uh, for joining us again this week. It's always really great to uh, get your insight into the market. Always a pleasure. And this is Thursday Finance, and it's time to take a look at the fixed interest markets. Uh, Brett, well, we have Richard Murphy. He's really our resident expert on government and corporate bonds and term deposits as well, and he's joining us today. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Richard, thanks for, uh, for, for coming to uh, talk to us today. Yes, yeah, so maybe as a, uh, an intro, um, the the obviously the uh, economy is very different to uh, since last time we spoke, which was before COVID. So maybe you could start off by just explaining what what uh, the uh, fixed interest market has done during during COVID and and what's uh, happening at the moment. Yeah, it was certainly a uh, very traumatic um, first few months there. So when if you, if you take mid March is when. Um, COVID really struck home for everybody that this is not going away. It's going to affect Australia. It's going to affect um, other um, markets where there are, you know, very well-developed financial markets. The initial reaction was markets disappeared for, um, you know, a two or three-week period um, as literally the the buying and selling in things that were otherwise very, very um, heavily traded, like government bonds here in Australia and government bonds in America. It suddenly just disappeared entirely, and that's why you know you would have heard in the news that um, 
the likes of the FD, the Federal Reserve in, in, in Australia and the Reserve Bank here in Australia started stepping into the market and buying bonds and providing liquidity, uh, provided, you know, make sure there was a buyer in the market just to make sure that markets kept on functioning. So that was the first sort of reaction to it. And then obviously um, interest rates are now at, you know, you know 0.25% and um, interest rates for three-year um, money is also 0.25%. And the Australian government recently uh, raised um, many billions of dollars on 30-year government bonds, which in good times back in, you know, 2006, 2007 might have been 6 or 7%. Um, yielding bonds, they were they were done at less than two percent. So um, basically, meaning this, the interest rates are super low. Whether it's overnight money, the cash rate, three-year loans, five-year loans, ten-year loans, twenty-year loans. So that's been the effect. And of course, for mom and dad investors, for all, all of us out there in the market um, who might have term deposits, the end result of that is that term deposits are now one percent and less. Mm. even right out to five-year term deposits and three-year term deposits. So people are getting close to nothing on their, on their, on their fixed income mm-hmm. term deposits. And, and, and bond yields aren't that much higher than that. So government bond yields are actually lower than that. And, but if people buy corporate bonds, they might get you know, 2.5% or maybe 3.5% for some investment-grade bonds on the ASX. But um, it really is a time of very, very low interest rates. Yeah, um, meaning very very low returns from fixed income. Yep. So uh, obviously, investors, even though it, the, the, those returns or those rates are, are quite low and expected to you know remain low for some time, uh, investors still seek out uh, to invest in in bonds and and term deposits for that security, don't they? In, in terms of their capital. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, of course, because if if you're looking for predictable. Um, um, returns for your your capital and this your you could be a retiree or just somebody who, who just cannot afford to lose you know that nest egg um, then you can't just you know throw it into the equity market and the equity markets have been going uh, through the roof mainly mm-hmm. mainly because these interest rates are so low so it's like pumping helium into the tires of the equity market there's not really if you think about why is our equity market why is the US equity market heading for all-time highs when we know full well that the economies are struggling and they've been smacked around the head with a wet fish by the whole <laughs> need to shut things down, basically. Yep. So how can the stock market be booming? Well, it's booming because in the calculation of what share prices are, there's interest rates come into the calculation. And when they're nearly zero, um, it just has this technical effect of pumping the, the share market up. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you're piling into equities now because, of course, equities become very volatile. And, and of course, in March and April, they they, they sank really quite dramatically. So yep. people investing their nest egg now into equities would suffer most likely that, um, you know, that the volatility of the equity market would mean you suddenly lost some of your capital. So therefore they think, well, no, I've got to have term deposits or, or bonds where I can hold bonds to maturity. Yep. And therefore I'll get the $100 back, assuming that company doesn't collapse or the, the government doesn't collapse, which is a reasonable bet for investment-grade type issuance. Mm-hmm. Um, that you'll get, you know, some return on your money and it'll be, um, you know, for a term deposit, unfortunately, it's only 1%, but for, you know, a, a corporate bond of an ASX 100 company, you could get, you know, up to up to three and a half sort of percent from a from a bond, which is quite a bit more than, than 1% from term deposit because it's, you know, it's 
actually three times more. Um, so people do invest in bonds for income, but it's not, while it's not great income, it's, it, it doesn't have the, the risk, the same risk of um, capital volatility. So your your nest egg, your actual capital, is preserved because if you hold the bond to maturity, then the company is obligated to pay you back the hundred dollars, and then the risk is what if that company falls over, and then you buy a few of them across yeah. companies that you, you look at and think, well, that's probably a safe. That's probably a safer company than company number 480 on the ASX list, you know, the, the bigger companies in the ASX 100. Yeah, that's right. And um, albeit they might have a higher dividend yield, but the, the capital uh, may not be may not be stable. So we'll come back in a yeah. moment and we'll um, we'll talk about what what won't make that interest rate cycle um, turn. Thursday Finance and Brett Hall, we're talking with Richard Murphy, and it's all about fixed interest and all those other things. Yeah, Richard, uh, we were talking about rates and turn deposit rates, and the uh, three and five year um, rates are still, you know, quite low. Uh, what 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 might cause these uh, rates to to turn and, and go back up, or and, and I guess some sort of time frame? Do you have a do you have a view on those? Yeah, so there's not an awful lot um, on the horizon that will turn that around um, for you know, government bond yields and and the RBA cash rate and, you know, the same in the US because of the outlook on um, COVID, the, you know, the health crisis and then the economic crisis that's actually driving. The one thing, though, that um, everybody on this show is probably like me, sort of 40s, 50s, 60s, um, but younger people the, the, are not familiar with inflation because I haven't seen it for such a long, long time. Mm. But we all, all, all of us older people remember that inflation is a really a hell of a thing when it does come around and trying to get it under control is something that every government um, um, must do, every reserve bank, every central bank must do. If, if any of this heavy-duty spending, so that as well as keeping interest rates very, very low, obviously governments around the world, on the fiscal side of their policy, monetary policy, keep rates very low, fiscal policy spend um, like a drunken sailor, basically, um, all around the world, uh, you know, set aside all sort of um, free market um, economics and, and sensible government spending in order to try and save the ship. Um, there is obviously trillions being spent um, left, right and centre by governments, and that will continue to, continue to happen. Mm-hmm. If any of that started triggers, if, if that triggers inflation to start rising for some reason, then we could be in a really difficult spot where the reserve banks of the world um, also would need to start lifting interest rates to make sure that that doesn't that genie doesn't escape from the bottle. So right now, inflation is not a problem. It's actually a problem the other way around. It's actually too low. Mm-hmm. And so our reserve bank would say, let's try and get some inflation into the system, but not let it run away. And we know what happens when it suddenly becomes 4%, 5%, 6%, and it jumps very, very quickly. And then the raising interest rates um, dramatically to try and get it under control. That's probably the only thing. And right now, it's not looking very likely that that's going to happen mm-hmm. because, you I mean, know, we're going to get very strong economic growth. Well, let's hope we get a better, uh, you know, a, a V-shaped recovery. But it's probably not as mo- most um, pundits out there would say. Well, no, it's going to take longer to to get a recovery because really we're not out of the we're not out of the woods at all on the on the health crisis, on the COVID side of things, we don't have a vaccine yet. It'll mm-hmm. take time for that to be developed and, and, and the drugs to to help people who are sick 
Um, some of them are there, some of them are being developed, etc. So we're not out of the woods there. So we can't really talk about economic recovery because economic recovery means people going back to work and congregating again and all those sort of things that unfortunately are the perfect recipe for the virus to spread. So mm-hmm. until we see something, um, things improving, and it might be, might be one of these vaccines that's in phase three clinical trials suddenly gets approved and it does work, or, um, or alternative, alternatively to that, they find a cocktail of drugs that do work for those that are really sick and they can keep the, the mortality rate down and then, then, then you know, things can start to get back to normal. And then we probably will get an absolute boom of, of, um, of uh, economic growth and then, then you'll see interest rates rise and changing that. Yep. And just lastly, the, uh, the, the government guarantee still exists for, for term deposits. Yes, I mean, I, I thought that would eventually go at some point, but there's no way that's going now. So, mm. you know, the government and the, and, and the RBA and all their equivalents around the world are just making sure that we don't get a financial markets crisis in the middle of this as well and making sure there's plenty of liquidity. So they will most definitely be keeping that in place now. There will be no moves to get rid of that right now. Yep. Yep. Well, thank you very much, Richard. It's been uh, great having you on. Um, it's a great topic at the moment. Yeah, thanks, Brett. And thank you, Richard Murphy, who is a resident expert on government and corporate bonds term deposits as well. As, uh, yeah, They are interesting times and uh, it's mm. worth discussing them from all points of view, economic and financial. So thank you very much, Brett Hall. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.